All right, Shabbos, say good morning. Let us, let us begin. Thank our talent Torah sponsors for the month of Adar Al. To thank Paul and Kathy Pollock for dedicating all the Shem and Joshos this month in memory of Paul's grandparents, Zecharia Ben, Zecharia and Dina Bas Rabdov. To thank Art and Shari Miller, our talent Torah sponsors for dedicating all the Shem and Joshos this month. A loving memory of Art's brother, Richard Miller, Ruvain Ben, Bitsala of Arachal. And our week of learning sponsors, Ayal and Sarah Steinberg, for the Rafua Shalema of Shulamis Bas Susha. We'll see, we hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Neshamas will have an Aliyah. Those who need a Rafua should have one together with Kol Cholei. So I will say with that, I'll also mention, we dedicate our learning to our brothers and sisters, to Achinu B'nai Yisrael, who are literally undergoing incredible difficulties in the various communities in the Ukraine. I was on a conference call yesterday with five Rabbanim from the communities in Ukraine, and it's, it's overwhelming to see what's happening. People hunker down in basements for days, some able to get out, some unable to get out. Food is running low, supplies are running low. It is a very, very, very serious matzov. And again, you could see that just in the news this morning, Russia is pounding Kharkiv and Kiev with, 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 they're saying now cluster, but crazy, absolute craziness. Dozens of civilians killed in a shell that hit an apartment building. It's a very serious, it's a serious matter for the world, and it's a serious matter for Am Yisrael as well. And it's in these moments that we really have to take upon ourselves something extra as well, to rededicate ourselves to our learning. There's community to Hillam tonight at 8 o'clock p.m. at Shomri Amuna. If you can go, we should all go. And remember, so just, just to be part of a community, to daven together, and to take some other Kabbalah upon ourselves, just to, it's a scary matter. It's hard for us, it's hard for us to wrap our heads Around 2022, living in a in a basement, you know, in in a, in, in what should be a civilized country, but this is what many tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of Jews are experiencing right now, and it behooves us, as all of us feel, in Achray is to greater Klal Yisrael. We don't just live for ourselves. But we live as part of a nation to do our part. It's important to give tzedakah. There are various causes collecting for this. The OU is collecting. Agudas Yisrael is collecting. Hatzalah is collecting. So wherever you want to contribute, contribute. Contribute. This is not, this is not for luxuries. Right? This is not to send people away for a five-star Pesach vacation. It's, it's food. It's literally food. It's food and resettlement costs because many of these people are going to lose their homes. They're going to lose everything that they've worked for. And if we could help out with a, with, a, with, with a little bit of money, that's not going to make a dent in our finances. It's absolutely incumbent upon us. So to give to Dhaka, to Davin, to rededicate ourselves, maybe to take on a Kabbalah, take on something extra. And the Mirat Hashem, the schus of our learning this morning, and the schus of everything we're going to do, Kaddish Baruch Hu, Mirat Hashem, should take care of all of Klal Yisrael and every Ace Tzara. Well, so with that, let us begin. So today's daf is Chaf. We are picking up Emir Hashem on Yotes Amud Beis 19b. We're picking up two lines up from the bottom. But we'll say, so really we have some fascinating sugyas ahead of us today. So the Gemara says as follows. Amr Mori. Rab Mori said, Shema Mino. So we'll say, remember again, we discussed this in passing a little bit in the Mishnah. It's actually fascinating, by the way. I just want to point out, those of you who are doing Mishnah Yomi uh, will notice the incredible intersect between, between our sugyas. Because in fact, again, in today's Mishnah Yomi, I just, I just posted it earlier this morning, in today's Mishnah Yomi, you will notice that there's the concept of becoming a Chaver. Yesterday we had the concept of becoming a Ne'eman. And ultimately, again, the Mishnayis discussed the concept of Chulin Shenasu 
which is really, really amazing. is exactly as it sounds, which is a person is makbid to go and eat their chulun, which means unconsecrated, prop, or unconsecrated produce, with the same level of sanctity with which one would treat karbanos. Right? So that's chulun shenas so the Gemara says, you see from here, you'll see where we see it, but you see from here that the way we look at chulin, that is we treat chulin that is prepared with sacrificial sanctity, which put it in the same category as Kodesh. So the Gemara says, Mimai, how do you know that? And I say, what that means is, remember, our Mishnah, Ayyad Chesim and Beis outlined a series of halachos regarding ritual purity. So what the Gemara is just saying is, when it comes to ritual purity of chulin, kodesh, we treat it like kodesh. Mimai, how do I know this? Tap of chaf. Now, what's is very interesting from the fact, from the fact that ultimately, again, we don't go ahead and attribute to it, attribute to it another level. Now look at Rashi. Tap Rashi chaf amadalif. Rashi says, Lomar, big day prushin ha'ochlin chuleyan betaras chulin, medras la'ochle betaras ha'kodesh. Remember again, the Mishnah did not contain a category that said as follows, that the pe- people who go ahead and eat their chulin, like chulin, betaras chulin, that their clothing is tumas medras for those who eat their chulin in a state of taras ha'kodesh. I remember again, we spoke about this at the end of the Mishnah. So the fact that that category is not included tells us, Rashi says, Shmamina bechlal kodesh hein kodesh. It tells us that chulin shenasual taras kodesh are included in the category of kodesh. So the Gemara says, Di'id damal truma hatani truma. Because ultimately, again, if they're compared, I'm sorry, the Gemara says, I'm sorry, Vidilma. Maybe the reason why it didn't make a different category of chulin shenasua taras hakodesh. Why? Because here's what we know. Perhaps, I know it's not like chulin, but I don't know what it's like. Because maybe di'i damalu truma hatani truma. Maybe it's like truma and it's included in the category of truma. Vi damalu chulin hatani luchulin. And maybe it's included in the chulin and again, just included in the category of chulin. This none. Chulin shenasua taras hakodesh. If you have chulin that was prepared with the same level of sanctity as kodesh, kodesh of course in this context means karbanos, harihin kichulin, they are still treated like chulin. Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Tzadok, Omer, harihin kichuma. Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Tzadok says, no, they're like chuma. So the point that the Gemara is making is, don't assume that the absence of an additional category of chulin shenasua tarasa kodesh means that ultimately, again, these items are treated like Kodesh. It could just as easily mean that they're treated like Truma or they're treated like Chulun. Vaharaya, that machlokis exists, Elami Seifa. Rather, again, you could see the fact that Chulun Shinasu Ataras HaKodesh are treated like Kodesh from the Seifa of the Mishnah. What did the Seifa say? Yosi ben Yo'ezer hayachasit shebekahuna. Remember also just a quote from our Mishnah, Yod Chesem Yosi ben Yo'ezer was one of the pious members of the Kahuna, and yet his handkerchief, his handkerchief was considered to possess Tumas Medris for, for those who were makbid on a Kodesh level of Tara. Right? So remember again, we saw this just yesterday, uh, two days ago. Right? So remember again, Yossi ben Yoezer, who himself was a Kohen, not only a Kohen, a Chassid of the Kahuna, his handkerchief, his handkerchief, when it came to the Lachas of Tumantara, 
was considered to possess Tumas Medris for those who went ahead and for those who went ahead and were makbid to maintain a level of sanctity for Kodesh. Similarly, Yochanan ben Gudgada haya ochel altaras hakodesh kol yamav. Yochanan ben Gudgada, he was makbid to always eat his chulin altaras hakodesh. Remember again, there were people like this. There are people like this. The Mishnah, the Mishnah and the Mai calls a person like this a chaver, right? And what does a chaver do? A chaver is makbid that everything he eats, he essentially treats like carbonos. So we'll say, which, which if you think about it, is a pretty incredible thing, which means that he maintains, we'll call it sacrificial level of sanctity, even when he eats mundane food. So he's eating regular chulin on a Tuesday, right? But yet he's going to treat that chulin like carbonos and therefore conduct himself with the requisite level of sanctity, or I should say, not even sanctity, Purity, tara, necessary for the consumption of kabbalos. So such a person like this, I would say, was Yochanan ben Gudgada. Yochanan ben Gudgada, hayo ochel al taras hakodesh. He ate all of his food al taras hakodesh. So everything he ate, he ate again as if he was consuming kabbalos. Which I would say again, so he was careful not to allow the food to come in contact with anything that was ritually impure. He was makbed himself to always remain in a constant state of ritual purity. And yet, Yet his handkerchief, his handkerchief was considered to possess Tumas Medris, right? What's Tumas Medris? Tumas Medris like a Zav that supports his weight on something that gives it Tumas Medris. Yet his handkerchief had Tumas Medris Lechatos. Never say, remember again, what's Chatos? What's Chatos? Paraduma. Right, paraduma is the highest level of sanctity. So we'll say, let, okay, let's let's let now let's deconstruct this ourselves. So Yochanan ben Gudgada, who is makbid to eat even his chulin al taras hakodesh with a level of sacrificial sanctity. So the Mishnah said his handkerchief was tumas medris for those who dealt with chatas, for those who dealt with paraduma. What do you see from there? His handkerchief was considered to be Tumas Medris for Chatos, but not for what? Not for what? Not for Kodesh. What do you see from here? Lechatos in the Kodesh lo. Alma Kasavar, Chulin Shenasua Taras HaKodesh, Ke Kodesh Damu. Rebose, what do you see from here? From the fact that Yochanan ben Gudgada's handkerchief was only a problem of Tumas Medris for Chatos, for Para Aduma, tells us that a person who is Makbid uh, to eat his Chulin Al Taras HaKodesh, such chulin has, we'll call it Kodesh sanctity. So therefore his handkerchief was only a problem, not for Kodesh, excuse me, but only a problem ultimately for the level above, which was Chatos. Okay, incredible. So we'll say that's the raya from the Mishnah, that chulin shenasu ataras HaKodesh, that when chulin, we'll say all it's saying is like this, chulin, which is unconsecrated produce, that you prepare and that you treat with the same level of sanctity as karbonos, has carbonic sanctity. That's all it's saying. It has carbonic sanctity for what? For the halachos of Tuma and Tara. That's all it's saying. So therefore, again, when you treat it with carbonic sanctity, you endow, quote unquote, endow it with carbonic sanctity, it's still chulin. It's not carbonos. But for the halachos of Tuma and Tara, it will have the status of carbonos. Incredible. But see, now we come to three very interesting cases. So we'll say, these are the three cases that are going to serve as the basis 
for our conversation for the, for the rest, for pretty much the rest of the daf. So the Gemara says as follows. So I'll say, I'll, I'll just point out, um, if you just look, I'm sorry, let me just bring you back. If you look at the last Rashi on your Tessalmud base, I, I meant to read this. Let's say, you know, you're thinking to yourself, why, why, would, why would a person eat their chulun like this, right? After all, again, this is a heightened level of, of halacha, right? A person is eating all of his chulun, betaras HaKodesh. So just look at Rashi, Shnas Taras HaKodesh, Adam Harag Yelechal Kodshim. And I will say, by the way, who would normally do this? Who would normally do this? Kohanim would do this, right? And which Kohanim? Kohanim who were accustomed to eating karbanos. So if you were a Kohen and you regularly ate karbanos, Mikabal Alav Le'echal Chulav Betaras HaKodesh, Kedeshiyu B'nei Beiso Zehirin Ubekiyin Betaras HaKodesh. I will say, normal people don't do this. The only person who would really do this would be a Kohen, Right, who is eating carbonos. So if you're a coin who eats carbonos, it's dangerous to kind of have two systems of consumption going on in your house. Right? We eat one way when we eat carbonos, and we eat another way when we eat chulin. It's just dangerous because inevitably people are going to make mistakes with carbonos. So, so there were kohanim, therefore, who were makbid to eat their chulin betara. Their dafks, in other words, we have one standard of consumption in the home. And essentially, that standard of consumption is like sacrificial consumption. That, that's, that's the standard. This way, again, everything we do in the house has that same standard, whether we're eating chulun, whether we're eating kachis, we'll say, that's why a person would do it. And therefore, Allah, what the Mishnah, what the Gemara says is that a person who treats his chulun, betara sakodesh, essentially, at least halachically, endows his chulun with that same level of sanctity, and therefore, vis-a-vis the halachos of tumantara, that chulin will be treated like Kodesh. Good, that's it. So Rabbi Yochum and Allah are supposed to listen to these cases. Nafal, maf, so I'll say, just by the way, there happens to be a good Musar Haskil in that in general, which is that sometimes it's hard to live with two sets of standards. Right, so I'll say, and many of us <laughs> try to do this, but it doesn't really work. It's kind of like people who are honest in business with fellow Jews, but take liberties with non-Jews. I'm not a businessman. Don't do business with people like that because once you're, once you're cutting corners with someone, you're going to cut corners with everyone. That's Aleph. And I'm about to say even ourselves, like to be honest, most of us live with two personalities, right? We have an external persona and an internal or, or personal persona. And the image we project to the world is rarely the totality of the full person we are behind closed doors. And it's hard to be kind of like spiritually schizophrenic, right? We often have like these two identities. We have these two standards. In public where other people can see, I'll do X. In private where other people don't do, we don't see, I'll do Y. And it's hard. It's hard to lead two lives. And it's hard to prop up two identities. And it's hard to kind of live in two worlds often that are contradictory to each other. So sometimes in life it's good to eat your chulen betara, right? It's good to say, you know what? I'm adapting a standard, and this is going to be my standard, my guiding light in public and behind closed doors as well. It's, it's hard. It's really, really hard. But halavai is something that we should aspire to and something one day we should achieve. So the Imar goes, right, These are great. Let's say you have to admit that, you know, when you take the time to kind of unwrap Tumantara, it's riveting. 
It's absolutely riveting, and it actually makes a lot of sense. We, 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 we tense up when we get to these sugyas. We tell ourselves, there's no way I'm going no to understand this. But the truth is, it, it's actually very attainable. So, I'm Rabbi Yonasam bin Alazar. Here's the case. I drop my cloak. I drop my cloak. I say to my friend, give me my cloak. My friend gives it to me. My cloak is now Tomei. My cloak is now Tameh. All right, so we'll say, so first of all, take a look at Rashi, Tameh, Vafilu Zetar. Now, we're, we're going to see why this is. We're going to see why this is. I'm not going to read Rashi, because I don't, I don't want to give away. Rashi kind of is like a, like a spoiler alert over here, right? Rashi gives away the whole sugya in, in one Rashi. We'll get to it. We'll say, but Pashtos, so again, simple case. I have my cloak, falls on the floor. I ask Ruven, my friend, to pick it up and give it to me. Ruven gives it to me. My cloak is Tameh. My cloak is Tameh. Okay, so the Gemara, so I'll say, so again, so Bipashtos, well, let's assume, let's make the assumption over here, that the issue is that when something is in the hands of my friend, I can't control what happens to it vis-a-vis Tumantara, and if Ralochalamaisa, the cloak is Tame. Case one. Case two, Am Rabbi Yonasa ben Amram. Rabbi Yonasa ben Amram says as follows. We'll say two Rabbi Yonasans. Rabbi Yonasa ben Alazar, Rabbi Yonasa ben Amram. Nishafalo kelim shal Shabbos bekelim shal chavalavshan. A very interesting case. I go in to take out my Shabbos suit, but instead I pull out my weekday suit. Right? So what happens? So, nishafalo kelim shal Shabbos bekelim shal chavalavshan. Sorry, just the opposite. I go in to take out my weekday suit, but I end up pulling out my Shabbos suit. Velavshan, and I wear my Shabbos suit, nitmu. My Shabbos suit is Tameh. Okay, look at Rashi just a moment. Kelim shal Shabbos, kelim shal chal. Kasav alital b'kadav shal chal v'natal shal Shabbos. I wanted to take my weekday suit, but I ended up taking my Shabbos suit, nitmu, Rashi says. Kasav alayte hashla desirale, v'shamar adavar b'chezka shudavar zeh, v'nimsa shudavar achin shimra. So we're going to see, when it comes to halachas of Tumantara, halachas of Tumantara, there's two incredible, important principles, and they really intertwine. Number one, Tumah can't have hesachadas. In order to in order to maintain the ritual purity of a particular item, you must be fully aware of that item, and any lapse of awareness of the item by definition results in tumah. In tumah, Rebbe say. By the way, I'll tell you one of the one of the areas where we actually practice this halacha. The Beis Halevi brings down that by afikomen. Right? Why do we eat afikomen on Pesach? We eat afikomen to be zecher lekarben Pesach. Right, to remember the Paschal Lamb. What do we do with the Afikomen? You break the mouths in half. What do you do with the half? That's the Afikomen. You wrap it up and you put it by you. Why do you wrap it up and put it by you? So the Beis HaLevi says, because a carbon requires Shimur. You're not allowed to let a carbon. Once you designate an animal as a carbon, you can't let that animal out of your sight. You're obligated to watch it. The Afikomen, which represents carbon Pesach, needs to be guarded since it's a sacrificial item. The way I guard it right, is I wrap it up and I put it by me. With Tumah, the moment that there's hesachadas, the moment that there's a lapse of awareness, is the moment that an item becomes tame. It lacks shimur. So therefore, I both say in this second case over here, the pashtas what we're assuming is like this: I had a mind to take out my weekday suit. Instead, I went ahead and took out my shabbos suit and put on my shabbos suit. So the shabbos suit is tame because the assumption that we'll, we'll, we'll see. But right now, the havamina is that you can't. The only way to have proper Awareness, proper shimur, is to know exactly what it is that you're watching. But if at the end of the day you think you're watching A, but it really turns out to be B, that's hasachadas. That's a lapse of awareness, and therefore the item becomes tame. Third case. 
There was one time a story of two women who were friends who were in the bathhouse together and they got their clothing mixed up. Right? Their clothing got mixed up. And what happens? So each one essentially ended up wearing the other one's clothing out of the, out of the bathhouse. This, the story came to Rabbi Akiva. And what happens? And Rabbi Akiva said, Tameh. Tameh. The clothing is Tameh. Okay. So we'll say that's analyzed. Masculine Rabosha. Okay, basically, so, so really, what's kind of coming out of all of these stories, there's a common theme. The common theme is Hesachadas, right? A lack of awareness, right? So in case number one, right, my friend had, was holding my garment, so kind of it was out of my, out of my domain, Hesachadas, that's what we're assuming. Case number two, I thought I was wearing my weekday suit. It turns out to be my Shabbos suit, lapse of awareness. Case number three, right? Rachel and Leah mix up their clothing. Rachel thinks she's wearing her clothing. Leah thinks she's wearing her clothing. Hesachadas, tumo. Okay. So, maskev raboshi, alame ato, by using this logic, hoshit yadola salito paschitin vaoslo paso orim, hachanami dinitmes. But so, what about the following case? I put my hand into a basket to take a loaf of wheat bread. But it turns out that I take out a loaf of barley bread. Using this logic, what should be the halacha? The barley bread should be tamay. Because after all, again, what you're saying is a case of mistaken identity is effectively heschadas. So therefore, again, the loaf of bread should be tamay. Maybe I'll say, yeah, this is indeed the case. Well, it's not. Let's say someone's watching, guarding a barrel of wine, and they assume that the contents of the barrel are wine. I'm sorry. Somebody's guarding a barrel, right? And he thinks it's, it's a barrel of wine. And it turns out it's not wine. What is it? It's oil. What's the Tahora milatame. Ultimately, again, it's starting. Rebbe said the lashon of tahora milatame is that at the end of the day, it doesn't convey tuma to anything else, which for our purposes means for right now it's tar, it's tar. So Rebbe say so that's a case of mistaken identity, right? I think I'm guarding a barrel of wine. It turns out to be a barrel of oil, and yet the halacha is that what the halacha is that the contents of the barrel remain tar. Remain tar. You see, mistaken identity doesn't result in hesachadas. To which I should say, mistaken identity is not considered hesachadas. But according to this logic, look at the end of that very same b'risa. As much as the contents of the barrel are still considered to be tar, I should say, they don't convey tumal. What's ta'alacha? you're not permitted to consume the contents of the barrel. So I'll say, this is very interesting. So on one hand, you're telling me, I'm guarding a barrel, I think it's wine, but it turns out to be oil. So the Raisa says, the contents of the oil don't convey tumma to anything else, yet at the same time, what? I'm not allowed to eat them. I'm not allowed to eat the contents of the barrel. So what's going on over here? To which the Raisa says, am I? Why can't I eat the contents of the barrel? I'm Rabbi Yirmiya, here's the case. But Omer, this is fascinating. Say this is absolutely fascinating. So remember again, let's go back to Hilchos Tumah 101. Tumah, we've seen this many times before, essentially does not transfer laterally. But instead what happens is when item A conveys Tumah to item B, what happens? 
it's always downgraded a level. So for example, let's just take a simple case, right? You have an av hatumah, right? An av hatumah, right? A person touches a corpse, he becomes an av. That person then touches uh, another person, becomes a rishon. Rishon makes a sheni, sheni makes a shlishi. Now I will say now most times, most times shlishi is the bottom, is, is the lowest level of tumah. Most times, right? Now I will say a shlishi cannot make a revi. So therefore a shlishi is called pasal. Pasal means it's unfit. It itself is tameh, but has an inability to convey tumah to anything else. By Kodesh, we're going to see Kodesh can actually make a revi. So the Lushan of Pasal is the Lushan that the Gemara uses, a sign that is Tame, but unable to convey Tuma to anything else. So we'll say this is wild. So Yermia says, what's the case? So we'll say, so let's, just, let's just get our information together. So here's what we have. I'm guarding a barrel of wine, right? I, or at least I think it's a barrel of wine. It turns out that what? It's a barrel of oil. So what's the halacha? The halacha is that ultimately the contents of the barrel are, are tar and can't convey tumor to anything else. But yet the same Bryce says, I'm not allowed to consume the contents of the barrel. So what's going on over here? Why not? Why not? So, say, so on one hand, you're telling me that Hesachadas does not result in tumor. That's number one. But you see, yet I still can't eat the contents of the barrel. To which Rabbi Yemir says, I'll tell you why. What's the case? Rabbi Yemir says, it's incredible. Where I say, Shmartim I guarded the contents of the barrel from becoming Tameh with something that can make it Tameh, but ne- I didn't guard it from something that can make it possible. This is fascinating. Now, why a person would do this, I don't know. But Lamaisa, here's the case. At the end of the day, I guarded it from, let's say, coming in contact with an Av or a Rishon. But I didn't guard it from coming in contact with a Shlishi. In other words, I guarded it. I don't want the contents of the barrel to become tummy in a way that the contents could then convey tumma to something else. That's what I guarded it from. But I didn't guard it from just becoming possible. This is becoming possible. So that's what I'm saying. So but there was a, now it makes sense. So again, my guarding is effective enough to ensure that it did not become tummy in a way that it could convey tumma to something else. That's what the Bryce has said. But yet, I can't consume the contents of the barrel because the contents themselves may be possible. To which the Gemara says, what? Is there such a thing like that? Like a partial guarding for Tumah? That I, I'm guarding for A and B, but not for C? So I'm going to make sure it doesn't come in contact with an Av or a Rishon, but I don't really, I'm not care, I'm, I'm not so concerned that it comes in contact with a Shani. Is there such a concept like that? To which the Gemara says, in, there is. Vatanya, listen to this. I'll show you the proof to it. Hoshit Yado Basal, Basal listen to this case. I put my hand into the, into a, into a, a Salazar basket, and ultimately the basket is on my shoulder. and there's a shovel inside of the basket. And about say in my heart, in my heart, I'm careful. I'm careful. Ultimately, again, about, about say, by the way, there are also figs in the basket. That's the chap over here. Rashi points out, right? There are figs in the so basket, figs in the basket, shovel inside of the basket as well. So now, what happens? And I have in mind, I have in mind to go ahead and watch the basket and the contents of the basket. Ultimately, again, but regarding the shovel. I'm not careful to guard the shovel. What's that? Hasal tar va magrefa 
Ultimately, again, the basket is tar because I had in mind to be vigilant and watch the basket. But interestingly enough, the shovel, which Rashi says is a metal utensil, is tummy. Why? Because at the end of the day, I was careful. I was makbid to watch the basket, but not careful to watch the shovel. I, the shovel sitting in the basket. So what do you see from here? That you could have kind of qualified das. I could have qualified intentionality to go ahead and guard something from tumor. So the Gemara says, but I don't understand. Hasaltar, I'm sorry, Hasaltar, uh, but I'm Hasaltar, Tetame, Hamagreif, or Lasal. But I don't understand. If now you're telling me the shovel is Tame, because I didn't have in mind to watch it, so shouldn't the shovel then go on to make the basket Tame? To which the Gemara says, no. In Klima Tame Kli. We'll say, Hilchos Tamantara. One utensil cannot make another utensil Tame through contact. New contact. Therefore, even though now the shovel is tamei, the shovel will not make the basket tamei. I've the tamei mashab isal, but shouldn't the shouldn't the shovel make the figs right inside of the basket tamei? I'm rabbiin the kilot ba'omer shemartiv midaver shemetamo velo midaver haposla. What's the case? The case is where I say I watched the figs from becoming tamei with something that ultimately, again, could convey tumma to it, but not from something that could go ahead and make it possible. So I will say, so what do you see from here? You see from here that halacha the ability to go ahead and watch something partially does work. Does work. So I will say, which is really fascinating, that I could go ahead and have in mind that I'm, watch, I'm guarding something in a way that it shouldn't become tame in one fashion, but yet I'm not guarding it from another fashion. In other words, I'm careful that it shouldn't become tummy from an av, from a rishon, but I'm not so makbid if it becomes tummy from a sheni. Okay, so miko makom kasha. Here's the problem. But ultimately, again, we still have a problem, what we said before, about the case of the barrel of the wine and the oil, because at the end of the day, it said that it's tar milatame, to which the words of old, Moser Rabbah Baravua, listen to this case, Plus another interesting case. There was once a situation of a, of, of a woman. So, we'll say, so again, so just to be clear, there's a number of things that's happening over here. Right? We have three cases. We're kind of assuming that what's happening in the three cases is an issue of hasachadas. So that, that's what we're assuming is driving a lot of this. We then brought up the, the case of the loaves of bread and the barrel of wine, which turned out to be a barrel of oil. And again, that was also brought up in the context of Hesach but also in the context of the ability to guard against certain types of Tumah, but yet not other types of Tumah. And what we've seen is, it appears according to the Gemara, that you can guard produce in such a fashion. I'm guarding it against A, but not against B. Now, I watch this case. So listen to this. A woman once came before Rabbi Shmuel. She said, Rabbi, I, I, wove, I wove a garment. And ultimately, again, I wove it in a total state of ritual purity, but I didn't have in mind. In other words, it wasn't my kavana. In other words, I, which is another way of saying, behaviorally, everything I did was in a state of Torah, but at the end of the day, I didn't have kavana. Right? I didn't have kavana, I didn't have intent or concentration to do everything in a state of Tara. 
Umitoch bediko shahir Rabbi Yishmael bodka, and as Rabbi Yishmael was kind of going ahead, look at Rashi just a moment. Araktiv betara yodas ani shemishash shenerak bo gimo al gimo etzbos shenir latuma lo naga batuma. So what this lady was saying was, I know, I know that no tuma came in contact with this garment from the time that it was receptive to tuma. When does a begin become receptive to tuma? Once it's three finger breaths by three finger breaths. So this lady was saying. I know this garment did not become tame, but I didn't have in mind to maintain its state of ritual purity. So says the Gemara, so listen to this. Then was talking, let's talk, tell me everything that happened. So it turns out as she was recounting the circumstances, You know, the truth is, there was a woman who was in Nida who was helping me with some of the thread. The Rebbe say, a woman who's in Nida has the ability to convey Tumah to a Baghdad. So Rebbe say, what do you see from here? You see, what you see from here, Rebbe say, is that when you don't have explicit intent for something, you can't guarantee the quality or the nature of the circumstances. So here, this woman was convinced that she had created this Baghdad in a state of Tara. But then as Rabbi Shmuel is just talking out the circumstances with her, so you know what, you're right, you're right. There was that woman who was the Nida who helped me with some of the thread. And so it turns out that the baguette itself was Tamea. Rabbi say highlighting the Yisod that what? If you don't have Kavana to maintain Tara, then by definition, you can't assume that Tara is there. How great are the words of the Chachamim? Where the Chachamim say, that about say, if you have Hesachadas, if you have Hesachadas, if you do not concentrate, if you do not have specific intent to maintain the Tara of an item, you cannot assume that it remains Tara. What a profound Yisod. You want Tara in life? If I want Tara, if I want purity, I want holiness in life, holiness in life does not come with Hesachadas. If I fall asleep at the wheel and just live life on cruise control, you cannot assume that I reached a level of Tara because there is Tumah that attaches itself to us all of the time without us even realizing it. If you want Tara out of life, Tara requires vigilance. Tara requires thought. Tara requires concentration. And most importantly, Tara requires constant awareness to my surroundings, to my influences, and to my circumstances. The moment that there is Hesach Adas, I will say, what a metaphor for life. The moment that I have a lapse of awareness about how I'm living, what I'm doing, the decisions I'm making, is the moment that there's Tumah. Right? When there's Hesach Adas, I will say, you want Tara in life, Tara requires constant awareness. So the Gemara goes right to another story. There was another story of a woman who came for Rabbi Shmuel. Same story. Woman comes along, she says, Listen, I wove this particular mat in a state of Tara. But I, I, didn't have, I didn't have intention to guard it. So I know that it's Tar. I know that it's Tar because I, you know, no, nothing Tame came in contact with it. But I never had specific intent to guard it against Tumah. Listen to this. And as Rabbi Shmuel was talking out, Rabbi Shmuel is just, Rabbi Shmuel is just, it's interesting how so many times in life 
when you just talk out circumstances, you become aware of things that you just didn't, you weren't even consciously thinking about. So Yishua was just telling her, let's retrace your steps, right? So tell me, tell me about the process of going ahead and making this garment. Amr she said, you know what, Rebbe, at the end of the day, as I was weaving, what happened? I, 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 one, of the, one of the threads broke, and I went ahead and I tied it back together with my mouth. In other words, she's saying like, like I, I put the thread in my mouth to tie it back together. Now I will say, what's the problem with that? Interestingly enough, remember, saliva is one of the liquids which makes an item receptive to tumah. So it turns out that there's the possibility that there was wet saliva on this garment that made this baguette receptive to Tumah. She didn't even think about this because this just happened in the process of sewing. So what do you see from her? So therefore, again, because she wasn't concentrating and because the baguette was potentially receptive to Tumah, you can't assume that it's Tahar. Once again, if you have in mind to watch something, to guard something, then you can attest to its level of ritual purity. But Rabbi say the moment that you're not paying attention, Rabbi say it's so profound. It's true, again, it's true for Begadim, and it's true for us in life. So I will say, when you are guarding something from ritual purity, if you have active kavana to guard the item, the item is tar. But if you have hesachadas, if you have a lapse of awareness, you're right, you just stop guarding it. You aim belibo, then ultimately you cannot assume the item is tar. And I will say again, if it's true for a beged, alachas kama vakama, it is true for us in life. The most dangerous thing in life is hesachadas. When you have a lapse of awareness, you stop concentrating on how I'm living, on what I'm doing, on how I'm acting. The moment I stop concentrating on how I live and what I do is the moment that Tara leaves the building and it is replaced with Tumah. Incredible. So, so let's listen to this. So now let's go back to the three cases. Rabbi Lazar his was the case of the two women in the bathhouse. So remember again, they came before Rabbi Akiva. And what did Rabbi Akiva say? Everyone's clothing is Tameh. Everyone's clothing is tummy. So the Gemara says, that makes sense. Because we'll say it's possible that what? Most people are Ameha Aretz. Right? So we'll say, what do I mean by that? Most people are not really knowledgeable or for that matter vigilant in the laws of Tumantara. So therefore, again, in the case of the two women who mixed up their clothing, Rachel's going to see, you know, Leah is a very nice lady. But she doesn't know the laws of Tumantara. And Leah is going to say, Rachel's a very nice lady. She doesn't know the laws of Tumantara. So that's why, again, it makes sense. They swapped clothing unintentionally. And therefore, by definition, everyone's clothing is going to be Tameh. Listen to this. So remember again, Rabbi Yonah Samin Amram, his case was, I went in to get my weekday suit, but instead I took out my Shabbos suit. Right, so the Gemara says, right, I, right. So what happens? So Rabbi Yonah Samin Amram, so what's the case there? Listen to this. Say, so here's what's interesting. I guess people are more careful with their Shabbos clothing than they are with their weekday clothing. So there's a heightened level of shmira for my Shabbos clothing than my weekday clothing. Therefore, Masach Daiteminayu. So if I say it makes sense, I think I'm wearing my weekday suit. And therefore, again, that's a lower level of shmira. It turns out that I'm actually wearing my Shabbos suit, which normally gets a higher level of shmira. Therefore, the Shabbos suit is considered to be Tameh. Remember again, let's go back to the first case. What was that case? I lost my cloak. 
I say, Ruven, can you do me a favor? Can you pick up my cloak for me? Right? So what did Rabbi Yonah Semen Elazar say? Cloak is Tame. Why? Why can't I just go ahead here? I see Ruven. I see Ruven. He's right in front of me. So the Gemara says, Navi shimor biade Why can't I go ahead and just guard the garment as it's in, as while it's inside Ruven's, while it's in Ruven's hand? Uh, Rabbi Yochanan Bosei, profound Gemara, Chazaka, Ein Adam Shamer Mashabiyad Chavero. I will say, what's the Chazaka? You cannot guard that which is in someone else's hand. I will say, look at Rashi. Actually, not yet, sorry. You can't guard that, which again, is a general calling halacha. A general calling halacha. You can't guard that which is in someone else. Once, once someone else has it, I will say, now again, to be clear, what's the case here? Where's Ruvain? Where's Ruvain? He's right in front of me. He's literally right in front of me. But the Gemara says you cannot exert your shimur, right? My shimur means I have to guard an item to maintain its level of tara. When something is in someone else's hand, I can't guard the level of tara. So the Gemara says, Velo, is that true? Ahmed Beis, but Tanya, we learned, So listen to this interesting case. It's fascinating. I have, Baruch Hashem, a business. I try, I'm transporting items. And what happens? I have donkey drivers and I have workers and they are transporting to Horos. So we'll say, now again, Rashi points out, So my workers and my donkey drivers, they're Amaratsim, right? They don't know the laws of Tumantara. Now here's an interesting case, but yet I need them, but yet I'm in the business of Taros transport. That's my thing, right? So I, I, so I transport Taros. So I need my workers now to transport my Taros from point A to point B. So how do I do this? So the Gemara says, Even though I will say, now obviously, if I'm going ahead and I'm traveling with my workers, great. Okay, so I'm traveling with my workers, I keep an eye on them. The Bryce says, even if I'm not traveling with my workers, even if I am a mill, just a significant distance away, even if I'm a mill away from them, Taros of Tahoros. The Taros are still Tar. Now, both say, now, that's pretty incredible, because what does that say? What does that say? That Allah, even though I'm not there with them, we still assume that the Taros Atar. That seems contradictory what we just said before. We just said before, anything you have that's in someone else's hand, you cannot assume retains its Taros status. Yet here, the Arabs are able to retain their Taros status, even though what? Even though what? I'm a mill away. There's another, there's another case. However, but if I said to my workers, if I said to my workers, and then what? So by the way, when it says Taros of Tahoros, look at Rashi, Vein Choshishin Shema Nagu. So I will say, interestingly enough, we're not Choshesh, that while on the road, my workers put their hands into the barrel and touch the Taros. So I will say, however, but if I said to my workers, you guys go ahead and I'll catch up with you. Taros of Tameos. Once they are out of ocular view, right? Once, once I can no longer see them, then Allah, we have to assume that what? They put their hands in the barrel and the taros are tame. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. I don't understand what I will say. The cases seem to be the same, yet the results are different. Case number one, case number one, my workers who are Amea Aretz, and therefore don't know the of Tum and Tara, they're transporting my taros, and yet the is what? The is what? The taros are assumed to be tar, even if I'm more than a mill away. Case number two, I tell them, guys, you go ahead, and I'll catch up with you. Once they're out of sight, we have to assume all the taros became tame. What's there seen in two cases? Here we go. Reisha, 
The first case in the Bryce is where I am mitaher my workers. Hey, you want to work for me? You have to go to the mikvah, para aduma, whatever you have to do in order to go in and become tar. So I've made them all tar. Well, if that's the case, ihachi sefanami. If that's the case, if that's the case, then, then I don't understand. Then, then the sefer should also be okay, right? Then the mice, even if, if I'm mitaher them, then halacha lemaisa, even the sefer case shouldn't be a problem. To which the Gemara says, "Ein amaaretz makbirach magechavero." While the amaaretz might be tar, the amaaretz is not careful with his friend touching the produce. Well, if that's the case, ihachi reishenami, right? If that's the case, in the first case, even if I'm mitaher the amaaretz, it should still be a problem. To which the Gemara says, here's the case. Beba lahem derech alakson. Now we'll say, what's the case? The case is where halacha lemaisa, I can go ahead and catch up with my workers without them knowing it. Derech alakson literally means at a, um, alakson literally means like at a diagonal. But Rashi says over here, kishiyach, kishiyach olavo lahem pitom derech alakson, shaloyavinu hilchach dechali minah. So let's listen to this. The case over here is, where I can catch up with my workers at any given moment and they'll be totally unaware. I will say, this is, you know, what hashkach is based on. Right? If you don't have a mashkiach at all times, how can you assume the food is kosher? As long as the mashkiach can be what's called yotze v'nichnas. He can come in and go out at any time. We assume that everyone is on their best behavior when they know that their boss could walk in at any time. So what's the case? The case is where halacha l'maysa, the workers know I could pop in at any time. Right? I could just show up by the caravan at any time. So because of that, the knowledge that I could show up at any time keeps them honest. Iyachi, seifa nami. Ay, what about the seifa? That's the case of seifa as well. Kevan damar luhu, luchu va'ani avach areichem, mismach samcha datayu. Here's the difference. See, once you tell your workers, guys, you go ahead and I'll catch up at some later time, that's it. The workers know I'm not showing up anytime soon. And therefore, halacha lamais again, right? When the cat is away, the mice will play and they're going to go ahead and put their hands inside of the barrel. But I will say, here's what's interesting. So what's interesting to note about this is as follows. That halacha lamaisa, so the, this case of the traveling caravan has its own unique aspects to it, right? Essentially, that the owner could show up at any time. Say if I have a case where I purified my workers, that's the case, right? I was metair, all of my workers, they're now in a state of tarah, they're transporting the taras, and they know that what? I can go ahead and show up at any time. So you put all of that together, and we can assume that the ritual purity of the items remains intact. But I will say, outside of that, the principle espoused by the Gemara is the Halokh Lamais principle, which is, Ein Adam Mishamer Mashabiyad Chavero. You cannot guard that which is in your friend's hand. Once the item is in someone else's hand, so the ritual purity of the item is by definition compromised because I can't have Shmira upon something that you're holding, even if what? Even if what? Your mom is right next to me. That's why the case where I drop my cloak, I ask Ruvain to pick it up. The grace is said, Rabbi Yonasan ben Alazar says that the cloak will be Tomei because in Adam Mishamer Mashabiyat Chabero. I cannot properly guard virtual purity purposes that which is in someone else's in the site. Also, an incredible life lesson, which is you can't control other people. Right? You can't guard that which is in someone else's hands. Right? At the end of the day, the only thing I control, I'll say, it's such a profound yisod, the only thing I control in life is what? That which is in my hand. Anything that is in someone else's hand, even if the person is mamish standing right next to me, you can't 
control what other people do, how other people live, what other people say. The only thing in life you control is you and that which is in your hand. Hadron Allah in Darshan. You got nervous that Tumantara is over. Well, good news, it's not. Right? There's more to come. There's more to come. I will say after mid. Incredible, incredible Gimaras. I will say, so now listen to this. There is a Chumrah that Kodesh has over Truma. Remember again, Chumash refer, excuse me, Kodesh refers to sacrificial items. So there is a Chumrah that Kodesh has over Truma. How so? This is fascinating. Shemat bilim kelim besoch kelim l'Truma, avalo l'Kodesh. Rabbi says it's fascinating. For, 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 for Truma purposes, if you have, let's say, two cups, imagine two cups for a moment, that are both tame, you could put one inside of the other and immerse them in the mikvah like that. But you can't do that for Kodesh. So such an immersion will work to purify for Truma, but won't work for Kodesh. That's Chumr number one. Chumr number two. Acharayim v'toch ubeis hatsvito b'truma avalo b'kodesh. So we'll say we're going to see something very interesting. That halacha l'maysa, when it comes to, when it comes to Truma, when it comes to Truma, if you have a utensil that has multiple usable parts, when one usable part becomes Tameh, it doesn't automatically mean that the entire Kli becomes Tameh. Yet when it comes to Kodesh, right, once one part of the utensil becomes Tameh, then what? The entire utensil becomes Tameh. Someone who is holding, someone who is holding, for example, something that has Tumas Medrash, for example, Rashi's example is the shoe of a Zav. If I hold the shoe of a Zav, I can also go ahead and hold Truma, right, as long as they don't touch, right? And now we're going to see, we'll say, what it really means is, if let's say, imagine for a moment, you have the shoe of a Zav inside of a barrel, you could go ahead and have Truma inside the airspace of that same barrel, but you can't have Kodesh inside of the airspace of that barrel. Big day, oh, well, again, we'll explain all of these cases. Big day, Ochle, Truma, Medras, the Kodesh. As you will see, we'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up Emirat Hashem in the, in the middle of this Mishnah tomorrow. We'll say Mazel Tov on finishing the parak, And Emirat Hashem will go through all of these categories in tomorrow's daf as well. Shkoyach.